Welcome to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. I'm your host, Laura Rotford, a physiotherapist, Pilates instructor, and fellow hippie. We're here to talk all things hip dysplasia, to build a community, to support and guide each other through the ups and the downs. If you like the podcast, please share it and rate it. It does help others to find it too. And if you have any feedback or questions, they're always welcome. Email me at laura at helpforhipdysplasia.com. That's it for now. Let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. We have a returning guest with us this week. We have Nancy Muir from episode eight um, back with us this week. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Laura. It's good to be back. It's so good to have you back on. Um, We've actually just spent about half an hour chatting before we even press the record button. Um, So we've been having a really good old catch up, but so excited to bring some exciting news for you for Hip Displeasure Awareness Month coming up in June. But first, let's just have a little recap and a catch up. It's obviously been about six months or so since we spoke last. So what's been going on over in the, the U.S.? Oh, well, as you know, life is life is crazy throughout the entire world right now. So um, I'd say I, I live in the state of Colorado, which is in the western half of the United States. And we have not been as hit as hard with the COVID virus as um, some of my colleagues and friends on the East Coast and on the West Coast. But we, um, I work in a hospital. I'm also a physiotherapist. And we are just starting to open up our clinic back very part-time. So one step at a time. Um, gosh, I can't, I think you and I talked maybe in November. I was, um, at that point, I was recovering from my femoral osteotomy. You were got indeed. Got through my surgery, got through my recovery. I actually ended up moving to a new house, been super busy with that. And then I ended up having a spine fusion. Um, just a couple of weeks ago. Did you know that, Laura? I don't even I know don't, if we I talked don't about that. I think I did, actually. Uh, with all the stuff yes. that we've talked about, that hasn't even come up. So, that hasn't yeah. even come up. No, in, in mid-March, I ended up having a spine fusion. Um, and just once again, probably, you know, I play hard on my hips. I play hard on my body. But, um, you know, even one of the surgeons I saw, he says, said, you know, your hips needed to be treated 20 years earlier than they were. I wasn't um, diagnosed with hip dysplasia until I was in my early 30s. So, you know, in retrospect, probably had symptoms for a little over a decade. And, you know, so once again, just going off, these, these hips kind of wreak havoc on your whole body. Fortunately, my recovery from that's going very smoothly. I'm not sure I'm at the end of my journey, but I'm, I'm working one, one step at a time towards um, getting it all sorted out. But so definitely feeling stronger than ever about the importance of, you know, improving hip dysplasia awareness and treatment, um, both in, you know, infants and children's and all the way up into our adolescents and adult population. So living, living proof that we need <laughs> more awareness and earlier diagnosis Absolutely. and figuring out the right treatment at the right time. So do you mind if I just pick your brains about that a little bit then before we, yeah. um, before we talk about hip dysplasia awareness month. Um, so after you had your previous surgery back um, last year, what happened since then that um, made the spinal fusion necessary? What were your symptoms? What were you feeling? Um, and how did that decision come into play? Sure. And it was actually um, the symptoms that drove the spinal fusion had actually started a little over a year ago. And it, I ended up with um, radiating right leg pain. And it was a whole year of just going through a lot of different um, 
surgeons and physicians. I, you know, ended up seeing a bunch of hip surgeons, spine surgeons, physiatrists, uh, physical therapists, and just, I mean, I, gosh, I must've seen 15 providers, um, 12 injections, lots and lots of just, you know, imaging, CTs, MRIs, um, trying to figure that out. At the end of the day, I was encouraged to just take care of the left femur because we knew that what that issue was and really was at that point wasn't sure what was causing the right side pain. Um, as it turns out, it's probably still some combination of spine and hip. Um, and the theory at least now is that because of my mechanics, I don't like my hip doesn't function the way it should and the mobility in it is not quite what it should be. And for that reason, I tend to overuse my spine to get my hip extension. So I, I um, just over time, I've, I caused a lot of damage to the disc and that caused compression of the nerves, which was causing a lot of radiating leg pain. So I've taken care of some of the radiating leg pain. I'm still, you know, <laughs> unfortunately they say, now you probably need to consider addressing the hip so that your spine doesn't continue to have what they call segmental disease. So that would be, you know, right now I only had to fuse L5S1, which is at the very base of your spine, right near your tailbone. You know, the couple of surgeons I've talked to have said, yeah, you're probably gonna now end up having stress at L4, L5 if you don't change your hips. Um, so right now I'm still kind of in that, that period of being worked up and trying to sort through, is this a true bony impingement or is this more of a, a biomechanical dysfunction? So I'm actually working with a fabulous physical therapist right now, um, really going strong, you know, spine recovery, hip recovery, um, and trying to really break down my mechanics. I'm working a ton right now on, on trying to retrain my walking pattern and see if, um, you know, if I can change how I move and see if that can be enough to kind of offload the hip and offload the spine and, and get some symptom relief. So it's a, it's quite a journey. And I, I've, you know, even as a, as a physical therapist myself, I think until you're really a patient and you get into it, you don't realize our bodies can compensate so well for so long. And, you know, I think it's even when I go back now and I can look at videos of myself walking and running, you know, and even in my teens and my twenties and going, Oh, all those, compensations were there. Um, my body was already trying to, to figure out how to work with my hips. And I think at just some point, it, it just starts to all go downhill. So, um, you know, I'm only in my, I'm in my mid thirties right now. And I go, okay, you know, what can I do now? So, you know, to really protect myself, you know, I mean, I've got many, many years of working in a very physical field and I have aspirations to get back to my ultra running and, you know, leading an active life and you know, continuing to lead an active life. So now it's just a lot of, you know, trying to figure out what's the biggest thing for my buck prevention wise. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a really great message out there because again, when people have had these hip surgeries, they're not necessarily thinking about the joints above and below, right? So as a physiotherapist, you're probably quite aware of that. And, you know, as other physiotherapists would be, but unless you're told that, unless you're given that advice when you have your surgery to look after the things above and below, we don't, we don't know to do that. It's enough sometimes to just even think about the hip, let alone everything else that's going on around it and all the compensation patterns. Um, but 
yeah, it's such an important message to know that you can, you need to look up the body as a whole, the way that it moves as a whole, and not just about the joint that's been operated on. There are going to be compensations and the body's so good at it. Like you said, you know, we can go through not even realizing until we have one of these issues further down the line. And so rehab, rehab, rehab the whole way. Well, and I think, you know, and you and I just had quite a bit of conversation about it offline, but you know, speaking to the fact of going, I, I think there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes among patients going into surgeries, hip preservation surgeries of going, okay, the surgery is a fix. You know, the surgery is not a fix. None of these surgeries are fixes. What they do is, you know, it's is put you in better alignment um, to be able to make therapy more effective. But I think you know, when, when, especially for folks who aren't diagnosed until they're adolescents or adults, you know, you've got one decade, two decades, three decades, four decades, whatever it is of a lot of times faulty movement patterns. And you and I were kind of talking and saying, there's a lot of, you know, you really have to work from the ground up. Um, I know we were talking a bit about uh, your Stand Stronger program, which is going to be starting soon and really looking at the idea of going, okay, until you can walk, you've got to be to have good standing mechanics and posture and then walking and then running and saying, yeah, you know, I think sometimes there's these pushes for rehab programs where you just kind of go, okay, the bones healed, go for it. And, you know, not realizing that, okay, even if that goes well, it might not be a month later or six months later, or even a year later, but saying, what is that, that joint health and that bo whole body health going to look like in five years? Um, and I act like I'm, I'm an expert in this. I'm totally as guilty as every other patient, you know, to be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, the boat's here, I'm going to run. <laughs> but, but it is so important. And I think it also speaks to this, you know, you, I think you and I as physical therapists, you know, we've both had surgeries. We've both had PAOs. Yep. We've both, you know, had those procedures to help realign things. But I think we both as physical therapists probably question what is that line when that procedure is needed versus what is the role for physical therapy and movement retraining and postural retraining and strengthening and kind of all this in conservative management, whether it's prehab, getting people ready for surgery and in a better position to have surgery, whether it's to delay surgery, whether it's to prevent the need for surgery, uh, just a lot of interesting questions, but just saying, you know, the surgery alone is not the not the end all be all. There's a lot of components around it. And I think really trying to protect the body during that time and long term and all the joints above and below, because it's all connected. Absolutely. I think that if, if people can take anything away from today's chat, it's that use the surgeries as an opportunity to then make things better. You know, like you said, the surgery is not the thing that's going to fix you. The surgery is the opportunity to then do the work to make that functional, you know, activities of daily living, everything about your day-to-day -day life, that's the opportunity to make that next step to make it better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you've had that spinal fusion done, you're going through your rehab, you're working hard at everything now. Um, and we've also, you know, while you're working all of this stuff for yourself personally, you're also working at raising so much awareness for hip dysplasia around the world as well. Um, we've got Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month coming up in June. 
Um, and there are so many things going on. It's really exciting um, about everything you've got going on. So can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up in June for Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month? And Awareness Month? Yes, absolutely. And sorry, I'm shutting the door because we've got dogs and garbage trucks out there right this moment. <laughs> I was like, I'm having trouble hearing you. Life is exciting. Um, so yes, Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month is coming up this June. Um, at you, we've had me on before to talk about Miles for Hips. Uh, Miles for Hips is a, it's an, it's a patient-driven um, initiative to really help create awareness and build community around hip dysplasia. And I think um, last year we were thrilled. We had a lot of people who joined for our first inaugural um, day of movement, which was last June. And it was fantastic. I think we had somewhere in like 450 people from all over the world participating. Um, we ended That's up raising incredible. over $7,400 for the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, which um, is an amazing organization that does a lot of education and technology and research behind hip dysplasia. So we've always felt very strong about supporting them. And we actually are uh, under the umbrella of them as, a, as, our, as our group. Um, well, they were, they were who were connected all... us in the first place, weren't they, Andrew Younger? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and so this year we were all set to go and then COVID-19 hit and kind of changed <laughs> our plans. So we ended up um, deciding to defer our day of movement until October. So. First of all, everybody look forward to that. October 10th, 2020, 10-10-20 is um, going to be the second annual day of movement. We will be starting our annual t-shirt fundraiser for that. Getting involved is super easy. Um, we'll be doing t-shirt sales starting on August 1st. And all you have to do to participate is buy a t-shirt and then on 10-10-20, um, get out there, wear your t-shirt with pride and move and just enjoy um, spreading some awareness and and um, promoting hip health and, and hip dysplasia awareness. So that's gonna be in October this year, but we did not wanna let June slip by without um, the opportunity to really, really take advantage of the month and, and the fact that that's our, that's our big time to really focus on, on hip dysplasia awareness. So at Miles for Hips, we've been trying to figure out how on earth do we get, build community and unite people in a time when, um, we just, you know, we can't be together and we can't be doing the same kind of, of activities we normally would. So we are um, really trying to build up. We just want to bombard the world with all things hip dysplasia for the entire month of June. <laughs> so it's been really exciting. Um, I have to say, Dina, it's a, you know, we are all patients on Miles for Hips. We do have a medical advisor, Joel Wells, who's a hip preservation surgeon down in Dallas, Texas. Uh, he joined our team this year. He has been a phenomenal addition um, and his team there. But, you know, we're, we're just all patients. We all have different, you know, families and jobs and different things we're doing. So we really, we can't do it all. So we depend so heavily on um, our community and our volunteer base. So uh, we would love anybody out there who wants to get involved please, please reach out to us. Um, you are more than welcome to connect with us on Facebook. We have a Miles for Hips page. Um, when you write that as Miles with the number four hips, we have an Instagram account. We have, um, if you email us at milesforhips at gmail.com, we um, would love to talk to you about your interests and what your area, you know, if you have any special skills or if you're just 
excited to get involved in any capacity. We have a lot of opportunities. Um, can I expand on a few of them? Oh my goodness, please. That's exactly what I wanted this podcast yeah. episode to be about. Yeah. So, I mean, we have, um, we have some, some patients getting involved in some really unique ways. I think one of our, one of the big things we'd love to do, but we need a ton of help is we would love to create kind of an awareness video that brings together the community. We're talking, we'd love to get, um, hip surgeons involved, pediatricians, orthopedic surgeons who specialize in hip preservation surgery, anybody on their medical teams, physiotherapists, researchers, patients, family members, friends, anybody who wants to, we'd love to invite you to do just a very brief video clip, um, really answering the question, what is my vision for hip dysplasia? And I have to say, we thought this was brilliant, but I've gotten quite a few emails of people saying, I don't really know what you mean. (laughs) And so for people who aren't really sure what we mean, really, we're just looking for what I I guess you could even exchange the word vision for hope. But when you look, you know, in the future for people living with hip dysplasia or who would be diagnosed, what is it that you would like to see different about hip dysplasia? It certainly could be about your own situation. It could be about um, friends, family, what you'd hope to see from the medical community, maybe the research side. But we just think it would be really neat to have a community video with that. So that's certainly one way to get involved. Um, Another thing is that if you visit our Miles for Hips website, you'll see that one of our big pushes is to really provide education and information for patients. So one of the things that we really believe in is this idea of participatory medicine. And it's really this concept that for healthcare to be improved for all people, we really need to all be working together. So it's not just, you know, we say, yes, this, our surgeons, our physicians, they bring this really incredible um, expertise to the field. The people doing research out there, great expertise. The people who are in, um, doing advocacy and awareness, the IHDI, you know, groups like that doing a lot. Um, but also on top of it, saying, Patients and family, I mean, those are the people, whether it's your child and you're the parent or you're the patient or it's a friend or um, those are the people who live this every day. And there's a unique expertise that comes from being a patient. And so one of the things that we really look to do is to say, we want patients to feel empowered to be involved in their healthcare. We want them to understand, you know, when, when the doctor says, oh yeah, you need a periacetabular osteotomy surgery. We want patients to really understand what does that mean and what does that look like and what are the risks and what are the benefits and, um, and how does that fit into their life and, and what's important to them and what's you know, important to their family. And so we feel like the best way for patients to do that is to really have the opportunity to be educated and informed um, so one of the things at Miles for Hips is that we try to provide some of this background information and also background information for things that no surgeon or physician or physical therapist can be the expert in. You know, when a patient says, gosh, what am I going to, how on earth am I going to stay positive during this experience? You know, that's something that other patients are the experts in. And so we're constantly looking to build up our, our information and our resource database. Um, some things are things that patients really are the unique experts in. Some things really are more of an expertise of a, 
a medical provider or maybe a patient who works in the medical field or has done some some advanced training, but we have opportunities for everybody. So we're constantly looking for, for people to help with that. Um, and once again, this is not just Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month, but all year long. And then um, another area we'd love to get, we also feel just strongly about the ability of people to build community by sharing their stories. Um, people with hip dysplasia, everybody's got a unique story and perspective. And um, so we really like to give people the chance to do that. And um, I recently had a patient who just submitted a great story for Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month. And she even said, she goes, you know, she goes, I, I didn't want to share my story. She goes, I didn't feel like I was at the point of my journey where I knew my end. And she goes, but then I decided to get brave and share my story. And she goes, it was really, she goes, it was, I just, she goes, I cried writing it. Um, and she goes, and I cried reading it to my husband. And, but she goes, it was just such an amazing opportunity to get to relive that, you know, to, to, to write out my journey and share it. And she goes, I think it's going to be valuable to other people. And I, I think there's a lot of power behind sharing stories. So no matter where you are, whether you're, pre-op or post-op or not having surgery or you're a parent some of our my favorite stories we've received are from parents you know in their perspective of being a, a caregiver to a child going through this so um certainly we'd love to get some stories um so anyway those are some of the big things that we're doing we have some other really exciting things going on behind the scenes um you know we're, we're working on a a fun awareness frame for Facebook pictures and things like that so that people oh, can just cool. really continue to build. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I'm so excited about it. Um, so we have some really, really neat things coming up. Uh, oh, the, the one other that I'm really excited about, and we need tons of help. So if people want to get involved, please reach out. Uh, we have a patient who reached out and said, I want to do a crutch pass video. I said, I have no clue what that is. <sighs> But she goes, she goes, you got to look on the internet. She goes, there's all these people doing like toilet paper pass videos during COVID. And basically, you know, you pass the roll from one side to the other. She yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. You need a crutch pass. And so anyway, that's taken off and she's taking the lead on that. So if you're interested, all you have to do is literally videotape yourself for like four seconds, passing a crutch from the left to the right in some capacity and email to us. And we're, we're going to try to compile this, but Anyway, just I love the creativity and the passion and the dedication that um, some people are sharing with us. And we just hope that many, many others will get inspired to get involved um, this June. We certainly, you know, but, but it doesn't even have to be June. We welcome people year round. We just are especially excited about, about this upcoming month and, and finding as many ways to make it fun, even when we can't be doing everything that we, we would have loved to do. Um, but we think it's going to be different. But maybe even better than ever. I'm so excited about some of the stuff that you've just talked about. Like I, as, as you know, I've already sort of gotten involved in, in some of the things, but I didn't even know about some of the other stuff that you've just said, like the crutches video. Oh my God, I want to be in that, but I don't have any crutches. So I'm going to oh, see if I can yes, find I a way know, to I get a crutch. You, and say, you, know, you know what? People, people have been writing going, what if I don't have a crutch? And we're like, it doesn't matter. We, we can make it work. <laughs> We'll find a way, but it's, it's such a nice way to get a community together, isn't it? And like, just make something fun and positive from, you know, there are going to be some people that are in a good place in their journey right now, but there are going to be some people that are, you know, struggling a little bit. And if we can put a smile on people's faces by getting people involved in that challenge, bringing those people together and making a video that people can share and watch back for years and years to come, like how amazing is that? And I think you hit the nail on the head with saying, 
you know, th this idea of um, that, yeah, we recognize like hip dysplasia is, there's a continuum. I mean, and there are people out there who are, you know, it's, it's kind of one piece of their life. And there's other people where this just keeps kind of rearing its head over and over and over again. And people have different journeys with it. But I think right now, especially with this time, is a lot of people just feel kind of isolated and disconnected. Um, not, I mean, even just in our real world, right? Even just from our own friends and family and our real life and our jobs and our livelihoods. Um, but I think a lot of people really benefit from having community around the diagnosis of hip dysplasia too. And we say, okay, how can we, especially people who are going through a rough time right now, how can we help people feel that they're not alone and that they're supported and that they're part of a community? And that I think also it's really nice for people to have the opportunity to give back wherever they are in their journey is to be part of this and to say, okay, you know what, this, this might, this might suck right now. Like, you know, this, but how can I turn something good or how can I, how can I make something good out of this situation? Um, and I think we just really invite people, no matter where you are in your journeys to, to reach out and get involved because I think it's, it's, really can be quite empowering um, and liberating and, and hopefully enjoyable. Exactly. I mean, I've been having a look at your website and it's changed quite a lot since um, I looked at it last time. And there is so much stuff on there now that I really urge everybody to go and have a look at milesforhips.com. The patient stories that are on there, I was reading through a few of them today and they are so touching and moving, emotional. Um, mm -hmm. There's uh, this one that is at the bottom by Erin um, Newton, and she has a poem at the bottom. Um, yeah. And I actually wrote it down, um, and I'm going to ask her if I can uh, put it up on my social media because I just thought it was so, so moving. Um, I don't know if she'd mind. It's obviously public on your website. Do you think she'd mind if I read it out? I doubt it. She is phenomenal. And um, yeah, I, I will, I'll call Erin Newton out on the spot here too. But no, her story, I, I her story particularly spoke to me. And I think I actually, she, she and I know each other in, in real life. We actually both live in Colorado, not too far apart. So I've met her and her husband and her boys and her, her extended family. They're, they're wonderful people. But she actually too, she's a great example though. Her, um, her, oh gosh, Erin, you're gonna kill me. I think her background's in geology. <laughs> I think she's a geologist, but like it has something to do with rocks. <laughs> but she and she's also a, a she plays the harp. She's a very talented person. You know, I don't know what you call somebody who plays the harp, a harpist. Yeah, um, I think so. But um, she is somebody who really stepped in. You know, so she has no background in medical at all, but she's somebody who really exemplifies that idea of an expert patient. So she stepped by and she wrote, you know, when I asked her if she would be willing to share her story, um, she sent me this just incredibly long and detailed, you know, email. And she was like, listen, I don't think this is, you want all of this. And I said, are you kidding me? Of course we want it all. But I said, I think some of this stuff in here, you know, you've got your story, but you have so much other amazing information in here. Maybe we can split it out into some different things. And she was really receptive to that. So she actually is the contributor for several of our expert patient resources. Yeah, I saw once that. Once again, the expert patient resources are written by patients for patients. This is stuff that the medical provider is not the expert in. And she's got a beautiful piece um, written about a letter to caregivers, you know, trying to help care, recognizing the importance of, 
um, what our caregivers go through when it's, you know, whether it's their child or their spouse or, you know, a dear friend or another family member um, and really calling that out. She's also got a wonderful piece on positivity and how to, you know, it's just like a whole morning routine that she wrote out about how to kind of start your day on the right foot and, and appreciate some of the little things in life. And um, I just think, I think it's wonderful. So yeah, so she's a, we'll just call her out all over the spot without her knowing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, she's been so, such a wonderful asset to our, to our work. Um, and so she's the example of, yeah, what I'd love to get more and more people doing is saying, listen, I've, yeah, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a researcher. I have no experience in healthcare, but oh my gosh, I can share my story and I can share my experience and I can share tips to help other patients get through this time. So um, yeah, no, I'm sure she wouldn't mind, but I can certainly connect you if you, if you want. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so please, please, please go and check out the website. Like I said, so many incredible resources and ways that you can get involved um, in Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month. Um, this should be going out before the, uh, the, the month starts. So hopefully um, you'll be involved in time for the start of the month. Um, but also with the t-shirts, when did you say they go on sale again? Because I definitely want to make sure I get one of those. Yes, they will go on sale August 1st. Mm -hmm. um, they will run probably this, because our, so the big thing is, you know, because Laura, you're in the UK. Yeah. I'm here in the States. I know last year we had people purchasing t-shirts from Australia and Canada and all over the world. So part of the reason that we're doing the t-shirt sales so in advance is that we want to make sure that all of our friends all over the world have time to get them in time. So the t-shirt sales will start August 1st. I haven't figured out the end date, but it's probably going to be about September 10th or 11th. So we've all so got them in time. We've got a good month of October. You what? So we've all got them in time for the 10th of October. Exactly. Exactly. We want to make sure there's plenty of time. So with the, with the movement day, I just want to emphasize that, you know, when you're doing this, it doesn't have to be about walking or running, right? You can be getting this in, in any way, shape or form. Exactly. Exactly. We had people last year. I mean, we even just say it's, we definitely like to promote movement of any kind. And we say, you know, even if it means getting out and playing with your kids at the playground or going for a bike or going for a, a swim ride, uh, a bike ride or going for a swim, or if you're in a wheelchair, can you get out and, you know, propel yourself a little bit in the wheelchair? If you have a child in a spike cast, take them for a walk in the stroller. Um, maybe you're just going to the grocery store and wearing your t-shirt and getting somebody in line to ask you about it and create that, create that buzzword and that awareness. So we're just about um, building community and spreading awareness and being active and promoting, promoting hip health. Um, whatever that looks like and whatever that, that, however that's important to a person. Amazing. Um, so um, I did want to go back to, um, you mentioned Joel Wells has come on board. Um, so yeah. he's somebody um, that I have very briefly connected with. I spoke to um, his assistant who said that he'd be happy to come on the podcast um, at some yeah. point. So I'm looking forward to perhaps connecting with him hopefully very soon. Um, but since he's come on board, he's been an amazing resource for you, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think, um, for, I mean, he, he started supporting us. We've, we, one of the things that we've, a real big goal is to try to get more engagement from the medical community 
Um, and I don't think it's that people don't want to be engaged, but we're saying, how can we help spread the word? And I think helping to get the word out to patients will help get it up to, to the providers because we really want to be a, a community where any provider can feel comfortable sending their patients to us, knowing that they're going to get accurate information and that the information they're going to get is, is going to get is going to be unbiased. Really, we want to help strengthen the relationship between patients and providers. We want patients to maybe have information to or questions to ask, but we really want to encourage those relationships to grow between the patient and the provider. So we're not looking to be a source of extraneous medical information. We're not looking to give patients the answers of what they should do, but just to help fill in maybe some of those backgrounds and bring the level of the patient's understanding up to the point that they can have a good conversation with their with their provider. But um, no, so um, Dr. Wells uh, has been a, a huge supporter since the beginning. I know when we did our first our, our day of awareness last year, our day of movement, you know, he was one of the first people to buy a t-shirt and I mean, oh. he bought one for all his medical students too. And they all sent us pictures of all these guys wearing their salmon pink, you know, hope for hip dysplasia shirts. And it was fabulous. Um, so anyway, when we um, got to the year of renewing our, our medical advisor, we had somebody join the team every year. Um, he seemed like a natural person to invite and he has just been an incredible asset because he is so passionate about what we do and he feels so passionately in his practice about that patient education and information and making sure that patients are involved in their care. He um, takes a very individualized approach to each patient's situation, whether or not, you know, I mean, I've heard him, of him recommending surgery for sure. He's a surgeon. That's his area of expertise, but he's also very big on saying, okay, when is surgery needed and when is maybe the right move conservative care or, or working with a physical therapist first or instead of um, the surgical approach. And, but, be, but recognizing that role of the surgeon, that it's, it's not just surgery, but saying, how can we help manage this whole patient? Um, and what is the best thing for them at that time? So anyway, I think he really, he comes to the table with a, a strong interest um, that's one of my interests too, as well as in the idea of shared decision-making and just saying, how do we get patients and providers working together to, to really make healthcare the best that it can be and to make these experiences the best that it can be. And so he's been great. He's been um, a great wealth of knowledge. He's been great for, you know, he's one of the, the surgeons, the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, they're recognized surgeons. So he's very involved in that community, does a lot of research. Um, very well connected. So he's, he's just been an incredible asset. He, one of the big roles that the medical provider or medical advisor does is any resources that come through that are more um, medically based. So any of our resources that are talking about like, what is hip dysplasia? What are the treatment options? Those things that really the surgeon would be the expert he is reviewing all those so we can really make sure that the you know we want to make sure that the information we're posting on our website aligns with the what's uh, recognized in the the general adult hip preservation community um, of providers now that said if it, the information comes through and it's an expert patient resource and it's only something where the patient's the expert he's not reviewing that information we certainly welcome his input for sure and we're not going to post anything that's not appropriate, but we go, no, this is something where the patient is the expert. So we make sure that those are reviewed by patients because 
those are who understand the, the patient expertise, but we um, just so value his, his involvement and his enthusiasm. So I think he'd, he'd probably be more than happy to come. I won't speak for him, but <laughs> he's been on several podcasts. He's, he's a wonderful speaker. He's so passionate about it. I think he gets very excited any opportunity to, to talk all things hip dysplasia. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm um, so blessed to have him join our team and um, it's really helping us move far. And as you said, the website changed a lot. We've been pushing out a lot of materials. Um, he's, he's very astute and he quickly turns stuff around and he's very eager to get the information into the hands of, of the patient community. Absolutely. And all of this is working towards being able to help raise that awareness and also to help with the International Hip Dysplasia Institute, right? So all the t-shirt sales and things, you know, there's money going towards the International Hip Dysplasia Institute from this um, to help fund research and to make actual change happen um, in policy and protocol going forwards, which is the, the whole aim of everything that we're doing, right, is to make sure that everybody has as good an experience as possible, to try and make sure that people are diagnosed earlier, that anyone that is having any intervention is having the best possible care, um, and just having the best outcome and experience possible. Absolutely. Yep. You took all the words out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so if, um, if you didn't want to buy a t-shirt, um, the website that you've got also does have a donate button as well. So if um, anyone was looking to try and help out, but didn't want the t-shirt, there is um, yeah. a way that you can help out and uh, assist in that way. If you'd like to, I'll obviously put all the um, information for the website and um, where you can find you on Instagram and Facebook um, in the show notes at the bottom. Um, but I'm just so, so excited to, be a part of this um, Hip Displeasure Awareness Month coming up in June. And it's just been amazing to catch up um, and reconnect again. Absolutely. Well, we, and we love it. And this is a, such a big part of what we're doing is, you know, we say we've got all these, you know, people around the world um, doing amazing things like you're doing with your health for hip dysplasia, you know, and we, and that's the thing is saying none of us can do this alone. So building these ties, building these communities, building these connections, um, and us all working. It, it was actually funny because I actually tried to hire, a, or I, for a little while, I just with my, out of my own funds, I said, I need help with this website. So I hired a consultant to help me a couple sessions to, you know, once again, we're all patient driven and we, yeah. <laughs> everything we do, if we raise money, it goes right to the IHDI. We don't have our own intrinsic funds. So anything we do comes out of our own pockets. So I met with a gentleman who offered to help me with the website. And his first question, he goes, well, who's your competition? Like, we, you know, I need to understand your competition so that I can help you promote your website. And I said, you don't understand. I was like, that's not how this world is, is viewed. I was like, we don't have competition. I said, the problem is that we don't have enough of any of this. And, and trying to say, how do we not compete about against each other. How do we help each other find each other? Exactly. It's really the bigger thing. And that's why, you know, we're so grateful to, to folks like you, Laura, who say, Hey, I'll, I'll help, you know, I've got a channel. I've got people who follow what I do. Um, I'm working on this. Let me help you promote, you know, what you're doing over there in America. And I, you know, and with the IHDI and, you know, and same thing, I'm going, okay, we, gosh, we've got Laura over there in the UK and she's doing all this incredible stuff. How do we get people connected with her? Because she's got this incredible skill set and um, resources that she's providing. So it was just the funniest thing. I said, 
the idea of competition. I was like, no, it just doesn't exist, does it? And and create awareness and share each other's resources and build this community. I was like, it really is such a a unique thing, but it's what we need. So, so absolutely love it. And absolutely love any time to get to come on and share with you what we're doing. And I love what you're doing and it's it's so great. So, so yeah, thank you so much. And um, I will be spreading um, everything that you're doing on my channels to, to try and raise that awareness some more, build this community in any way that we can. So everybody stay tuned for June for Hip Dysplasia Awareness Month. If you can contribute, great. And if you, if you can't, um, then even just something like sharing something that you see on social media can have such a massive impact. So there are so many things that you can do big and small that make the most massive differences so thank you so much nancy for coming on and um, again and being a repeat guest um, on the help for hip dysplasia podcast it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you again and hopefully we will speak again very soon yes well thank you for having me thank you so much for listening we'll be back again next week with another inspiring and incredible guest see you soon